Adverse childhood experiences can have dramatic, lifelong impacts on individuals. Roughly one in four people have had three or more adverse childhood experiences, which may include trauma from a divorce, bullying, discrimination, and a host of other negative experiences. While the problem may seem to be a personal one, these adversities can have far-reaching consequences for a society and an economy. Government agencies actually have quantified the national impact of adverse childhood experiences in dollars, and it amounts to a loss of more than $400 billion annually due to limited productivity in the workforce. Bristol's Promise is an organization working in central Appalachia to eliminate adversity in childhood and to help adults who are plagued by negative childhood experiences. To discuss adverse childhood experiences, also known as ACEs, I am joined in the studio by Melissa Roberts, the executive director of Bristol's Promise. Thanks for being here today, Melissa. Thanks for having me. Melissa, how long have you been with Bristol's Promise? So I started with Bristol's Promise in August of 2019, so a little over two and a half, three years, something like that. It feels, with pandemic years, it feels like forever. I want to get into the discussion about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, the initiatives that you're taking there. But what is the overall mission for Bristol's Promise? So Bristol's Promise mobilizes the community around issues that impact children, youth, and families. And we started out of a community visioning process in the late 90s, kind of seeing, you know, where the gaps were in the community. And what we do is create initiatives or partner with people to fill those gaps. We don't do anything by ourselves. We use a collective impact framework Um, to make sure that there's no duplication of services, but that all of the gaps are being filled as best they can around those issues. How does the whole ACES uh, initiative fit into that, ACES being adverse childhood experiences? Is this something that is a long-held mission of Bristol's Promise, or is this just sort of coalescing as you've been engaged in these issues related to children and families? Well, we've known about ACEs since the late 90s. Kaiser Permanente Health Systems and the Centers for Disease Control did a study um, then. And what they found was that there were specific instances of toxic stress that happened prior to a person turning age 18 that had lifelong negative health impacts. Things like physical, sexual uh, abuse, neglect. Did your parents get divorced prior to 18? Was somebody in your house um, incarcerated? And the more ACEs somebody had, the more likely they were to have negative health impacts, cancer, heart disease, um, substance use disorder, inflammatory disease. And when you get to an ACE score of six or more, you're likely to die 20 years earlier than somebody with no ACEs. So this is impacting us as adults. It might have happened when we were kids, but it's impacting us now as adults. And the work you're doing, is it focused on the children now and the in trying to avoid adverse experiences, or is it focused also on adults who are parents at this point, perhaps, and and some of that is coming through in the way that they're raising children? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the easy, the quick answer is yes. So we are obviously trying to mitigate the impact of ACEs, and we do that through things like parenting classes. We have a parenting uh, educators network and provide parenting classes through that, um, bring educators together. But we also have workforce sustainability programs where we provide support services to moms, dads, grandmas, and grandpas at the work site. So we know that trauma is in the room. We know that one in four adults have an ACE score of at least three. So that's a pretty high number. And we just assume that trauma is in the room. We don't ask 
Um, but there are things that we can do across the course of a lifetime to lower the impact of those adverse childhood experiences. And you have been talking to me recently about the idea that discrimination and bigotry seems to be rising to the surface as being identified as an adverse experience for children. Right. So these studies are ongoing. We're continuously looking at what qualifies. And in order to be qualified as an, as an ACE, it has to go through rigorous scientific testing. So we're not just pulling this. There's lots of toxic stress, um, but these are specific and in 2013, 2014, there was a community-level ACE survey done in Philadelphia. And that's where we find um, the impact of things like living in unsafe neighborhoods, being involved in foster care, um, but also discrimination. Uh, bullying is another one. And these are also things that have been identified to have those lifelong negative health impacts. I wonder if, if in the current environment, if it's incredibly important or even more important now to get this message across because we are in a culture that seems to be very divided. The questions about race and racism are being raised and the, uh, the atmosphere is somewhat toxic right now. I'm wondering if that contributes to the problem that you're trying to solve. I think it can contribute to the problem. The other thing, and, and I'm going to try not to go too scientific techie on you, is something called epigenetics. And this is intergenerational trauma. So we know that people who in previous generations have had traumatic experiences, that can impact how your genes express themselves in your life. And, um, you know, they've done studies on mice uh, looking at that. But then as far as, as human studies, they studied survivors of the Holocaust and found that um, people whose families had been involved in the Holocaust and survived had these uh, impacts in their life. So we know that racism, we know that um, enslavement have impacts for multiple generations on lots of levels, but on that scientific genetic level as well. In fact, I think what they're saying, the research is saying is that these experiences can actually change your genetics so that you can inherit this, not just through the adverse experience that you're having, but the adverse experience that changed the genetics of the people who are your forefathers or your your grandparents. Right. They changed the genetic expression. So right. it's not going to go in and change your DNA from, you know, RTC, but, um, but it changes how your genes express themselves. And so when we look at medical issues like undermethylation, um, that's a genetic expression that can be triggered by um, trauma that happened in previous generations. It's a fascinating study. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, I'm sure that you have professors who would really groove on this and know far more about it than I would. But um, but yeah, it can change the genetic expression even if you didn't have a traumatic childhood. Well, what does this all mean to the work that you're trying to do, this new information, this research? How does that change the way you work in trying to mitigate these issues? So what studies have also found is that in order to mitigate the issues and the impacts of ACEs, that we need to build resilience in people. And resilience can be built across the course of a lifetime. And that starts with having one involved, responsible adult in a child's life, in an adult's life, but having somebody who is there who is involved and who's caring. Um, there are multiple ways to, to impact this, but that is the number one researched way that we can start offsetting ACEs. 
You know, so our schools are doing a fantastic job of having responsible adults in with the kids, having what we call a trauma responsive school. Now we need to pull this into the, the, the bigger picture and across sectors. And through our Bristol Connect program, we're trying to do that in our business sector because that's so important. We have a, a large portion of our population, obviously, who are employed and business leaders sometimes don't quite understand. We in Appalachia are good at saying, oh, they just need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Mm-hmm. And what this does is it shows these leadership uh, people, sometimes people don't have bootstraps. Sometimes they don't even have boots. Mm-hmm. So it, it goes into brain development and it goes into how toxic stress offsets and changes that brain development. I want to spend the second part of this show talking about the business part of it, talking also about the economic impact of it, and talking about the partners of it. But I'm also wanting to know a little bit about how Bristol's Promise works nationally. Are you part of a national organization or a network of organizations that are trying to approach this problem? We are. You know, our, um, our name is a bit of a misnomer. Um, we serve the upper eight counties of Northeast Tennessee. We serve the counties of Southwest Virginia and 54 out of 55 counties in West Virginia. And we have a trauma responsive care network. And so sometimes when people hear that, they think, oh, well, that's for the emergency room trauma. But we're really talking about that childhood trauma. We're really talking about the trauma that happens, um, in interactions. We are also partnered with the Campaign for Trauma-Informed Policy and Practice, which is a national organization that looks at the bills that are coming out of Congress. Um, They are also involved to some degree on a state level. We know that Virginia, a couple of years ago, passed some legislation that made racism, uh, you know, that talked about racism, and we want to expand that. Mm -hmm. We want to talk about discrimination as a whole. We want to talk about ACEs as a whole. Like, they're on the right track, but we want to help them get all the way there. Um, So we do work with national organizations, with local organizations. Um, We're also working with the Tennessee Department of Health and the Strong Brain Institute at ETSU to create a trauma-informed workplace certification. So this will help kind of map out how do we become trauma-informed? How do we support people in a way that allows them to build that resilience? I'm talking today with Melissa Roberts. She is the executive director of Bristol's Promise. We are talking about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and what that means for people as they're growing up and developing and as they're working. You are all listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you are also listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. We'll be right back after this break. No matter where you listen to WEHC, in your car, at the office, at home, or on the go, your continued support ensures WEHC will always be your place for the music and talk shows that you love. No matter the season or the hour, WEHC never lets up in its commitment to serve because you matter. Make a difference. 
Become a sustaining member by visiting wehcfm.com, selecting Make a Gift, and designating your donation to WEHC Radio Station, or by calling us at 276-944-6593. together to get there. Today I am talking with Melissa Roberts. She's the executive director of Bristol's Promise and we're talking about the impact of adverse childhood experiences not just on children but on adults who've had those experiences. And Melissa, I am amazed that this is such an important issue and that I don't know that we're fully comprehending it because it is at the core of a lot of problems we have in this world. And I'm wondering if you can talk about how, with such a burden, perhaps, or a big um, weight on your shoulders to try to deal with this, if you feel you're getting a good reception here in the Bristol area and central Appalachia, where people tend to be rather proud and maybe not willing to discuss these issues. Well, you know, I think that there are some people that get it, but our goal is we want to saturate the area. We want everybody to know about ACEs and about what can be done to offset that, about building resilience in our friends and our family, in our our daily lives. And some people, it takes a little bit longer. But when you look at the science, and and that's the thing, again, this is not something that um, it, that is just this touchy-feely, somebody pulled it out of the air. This is based on scientific study. This is based on neurobiology. This is based on psychology and psychiatry. This is based on, on biology. All of the sciences have come together. And when, when you show people this information, when you share it with them and help them understand, you see this light bulb moment. But the goal is to get to people to be able to share this information. Um, you're right. As Appalachians, we do have this strong, proud heritage of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and don't air your dirty laundry. But, but this is at the core of the social issues. You know, we know that we are in the heart of the opioid epidemic. That is, that is largely impacted by adverse childhood experiences. People are self-medicating. So if we build resilience in these folks, we can lower the number. And when you look at all of the social issues across the board, you can look at these mitigating effects, these building resilience as a paper towel that starts soaking that up, you know, that starts decreasing the, the number of cases that are directly impacted by that and lowering it overall. I'm wondering, too, if you find perhaps an obstacle in trying to address this issue, especially around discrimination in this area where people may be in denial that that exists. Do you find that that's going to be a particular challenge in helping some people who are having adverse experiences because of that? You know, we have found that and and people generally people are good and they have good hearts and they don't want to be mean. You know, sometimes they have stressors in their life or that's just what they know. One of the the things that, especially when we talk about racism and the systems of that, one of the things that people say is, well, I grew up poor. Yes, you did. And that's a challenge. And that, that caused some hardships, but it, your skin color didn't cause that. 
you know. And so we try and explain to people and help them understand that there are lots of discriminatory areas. There are lots of things that people discriminate against. There's, of course, income, you know, when somebody is impacted socioeconomically, there's discrimination there. Um, The LGBTQ plus community, there's discrimination there. But there are some of those that can be hidden. And so um, skin color cannot be hidden. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can generally look at somebody and tell their race. And, um, you know, we try and be educators is really what we try and do. We're not trying to tell you you're wrong or you didn't have a hard life or, you know, but what we're saying is that when you leave a portion of the population behind, you can't thrive as a whole. And that's, you can look at the economic impact and and I I keep going back to economics, Mm -hmm. but when you look at the economic impact of racism, when you look at the, um, you know, just the brain power of, of, having that, it's a real issue and it impacts all of us. So even if I am, you know, a, a, a white male, which, you know, has in that point the fewest um, impacts, if there's racism around me, then I am impacted, mm-hmm. right? I'm losing out because I don't have that diversity of thought. I don't have um, that buying power. I don't have any of that. And so it really does impact all of us, not just the people who are directly impacted. Well, let's talk a little specifically about the economic impact. What measures, if any, can be applied to, say, this area, Tennessee, perhaps, East Tennessee, if not Southwest Virginia, in terms of real dollar impact? Well, what I can tell you is there are national numbers, and these are around ACEs. And so what we do know is that specifically the economic impact just from child maltreatment, which is a major contributor of mm-hmm. ACEs, uh, it is $428 billion annually. That is billion with a B. And the Sycamore Institute out of Tennessee does a great job of collecting this data. And the Sycamore Institute looked at things like time lost from work or um, healthcare issues directly related to ACEs and found that Tennessee has a f- just Tennessee a $5.2 billion, again with a B, Mm -hmm. annual economic impact. So there's real money that is associated with these adverse childhood experiences of which discrimination and racism are one. When you talk about those experiences, what are the typical adverse experiences for a child that might grow up in East Tennessee or Southwest Virginia? You know, I don't know that there's a typical one. Everybody's experience is different. But what I can tell you is it doesn't matter which ACE it is. Mm -hmm. So if you have an ACE score, as Mm -hmm. we call it, of four and say that it's child abuse and substance use disorder in your house and mental health issues um, and and physical abuse, that's going to be the same as if your parents got divorced um, and all the other ACEs. So it doesn't matter which ACEs, they all have equal impact. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key takeaway is not which ones are, are the most prevalent, but that they all have the same impact. Could you tell perhaps, or maybe you haven't been able to gather the information yet, but what percentage of the population may have a ACEs score of, say, four and above? We do know that across the the country and in the state of Tennessee, Virginia is just now starting to collect that data, but the early data is looking very similar. Um, About one in four adults have an ACE score of three or more. 
And that does not include people who are living unhoused because this was done by a random uh, cell phone call. Mm -hmm. It doesn't include people who are incarcerated. We know they have a higher rate of ACEs than people who aren't incarcerated. So really when you look at that one in four adults, it's higher than that. But that's what we've been able to to actually study and, and document. Well, it seems that Bristol's promise, like I said earlier, has a lot of weight on its shoulders trying to address this. But hopefully there's some people who can help share this responsibility. Who are you partnering with? Who are the logical people that need to be supporting this work and need to be understanding how important it is to do this work? Well, and we do, like I said, we do everything through a collective impact framework. So we don't do anything on our own in a silo. And we have so many partners that there is a whole wall in our conference room that is nothing but our partner organizations. The places that really can have uh, a strong impact are business community. Our business leaders, our C-suites um, need to understand this information and need to understand how it impacts them. Our justice system needs to understand how this impacts them because these are the people that they're seeing coming through court, you know, family court. Um, and so, you know, those are the the two but it's it's really any sector. But our health and human services, they get it. Mm-hmm. Our housing authorities, our YMCA, YWCA, they get it because they see it every day. It's the people who are more focused on creating an economic future for our area mm-hmm. that might not understand it as well. So if I am a business owner, how do I make sure that I'm sensitive to this among my employees? How do I put this into practice in terms of trying to make sure they are living up to their potential by understanding what is in their history? And how do I do that perhaps without sort of invading their privacy? Well, and that's the key, and that's a great point. So that's where we created the Bristol Connect Workforce Sustainability Program. And this program, we partner with several large manufacturers in the area, um, a, a large nonprofit organization. This is the program that we're taking into 54 counties in West Virginia. And what that is, the business partners with us to have a community resource navigator on site. That is a Bristol's Promise employee who um, is a mandated reporter. So if they are a danger to themselves or someone else, we report. But other than that, we can ask them, hey, you know, why why did you show up late today? You know, what's going on? What can we do to help support you to make sure you get to work on time? And what we found in our first business partner that we signed on March 3rd of 2020, right before COVID hit, um, what we found is in that first year, they had a 17% decrease in turnover. Mm-hmm. So we know that it's hard to find employees. It's hard to keep employees. And this is somebody who is not human resources. You know, human resources can't ask personal questions, but a community resource navigator sure can. And they'll find out, you know, do you need child care? Is that the problem? And then being part of that cohort of Bristol Connect employers, you come together every quarter and you get data. What is your workforce facing? You know, right now we're seeing housing is an issue, transportation is an issue, child care is an issue. Um, you can be assured that that community resource navigator is connecting them with community resources, mm-hmm. but you're also going to learn about that. And we require that all of our leadership and our business partners go through the Building Strong Brains training. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, and it helps them understand how a brain uh, is built, how toxic stress can offset that, and what can be done to build resilience across that lifetime. It seems to me that a lot of this is sort of targeted 
sort of blue-collar workers, but it is a problem among white-collar workers as well. They may not have problems showing up for work, but they're not as productive and helpful to the organization as they could be because of these experiences. Are there ways to help those kinds of leaders uh, address their own issues such that they can also help others? You know, and, and that comes with building trust. So once we have been working in the the business for a while and we've built that trust, we do find that leadership comes and talks to us. In the original ACES study, the majority of the, the participants in that study were white, college-educated, upper-to-upper-middle class. So it's pervasive. It is everybody. And, you know, we have had people with advanced degrees in high-level positions who have come to us because they couldn't feed their family. You know, sometimes life happens and it throws you a curveball. And having somebody who can dive into that, who can ask those questions, helps build that resilience. And so if we have somebody who comes to us who can't pay their electric bill, we're going to get them help for it. If the next month they still can't pay their electric bill, we're going to get them help for it and maybe talk about budgeting. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe talk about financial literacy. So the goal is to create self-sustaining, resilient individuals. And you're right, it's not always blue collar. We have lots of white collar people who come to us and just um, vent their frustrations and we walk them through goal planning. It seems too that this is becoming more of a topic because we're talking in the wake of the pandemic about workforce development and how we suddenly realize that we haven't spent enough time dealing with this. Do you feel though that there's a lot of hope in this now because perhaps we've focused on it some more? And do you feel like there's a greater understanding and awareness that can lead to something really good for uh, this cause? I absolutely feel that there's a sense of hope. I think that our business leaders are starting to hear these messages. And we've known that child development is so critical in future workforce. And so if we had planted these seeds 20 years ago, we'd have a healthy, thriving workforce now. And we didn't but we're planting it now and we're having these conversations. But again, we need our business leaders to really be involved in that conversation and embrace these issues um, so that 20 years from now, we're not right back where we were. But I have absolute hope that people are starting to get it and understanding that mental health is health. Mm -hmm. You know, if you break your arm, you're going to go see a doctor. If you are struggling mentally, you're going to go see a doctor. That's just how it is. And so as we embrace a culture of kindness... I think that, that there's always hope. We have been talking today with Melissa Roberts. She is the executive director for Bristol's Promise. We have been talking about adverse childhood experiences and how that affects and impacts not just individual lives, but the economies of our country and our regions. Thank you, Melissa, so much for being with me today. Thank you for having me. And good luck with the work that you're doing. Thank you. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am your host, Dirk Moore, and you have been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.